okay? Basic kick sound. There are options. This isn't only one way. Here again, it's art. Uh, if I was doing a jazz gig, I would tune much tighter, more resonant heads, uh, maybe a single ply head, not a double ply head, and no padding. I'd open the drum up, let it really ring, but that's a different style of music, and if you're listening to jazz, you know what I'm talking about. I might even use a smaller kick drum. This is a 22-inch by 16, very standard type of kick drum for you know contemporary drumming. That's basic tuning, and uh, like I said, there are some options, but this really works well. The only thing I would change is, is uh, the mallet could be either hard felt, like that white felt, or plastic. And a lot of times if I want more snap on the drum, I use one of those plastic mallets. And when it hits the head, it just gives you a really nice snap as the mallet comes into the plastic. So if I'm needing more impact, that's something I would do. On this head, I didn't do that today. I just uh, am using a standard Yamaha pedal with the hard felt beater. Great, so let's uh, have Doug Gould show us uh, the mics that we're using here on this kick drum. Doug? Okay, well the kick drum is important because it establishes a, the rhythmic pattern of the song. So when a lot of people think of kick drum, they're thinking low frequency. Maybe low frequency only is not the only thing to think about. Maybe you want to think about attack too. Yeah. Because if your rhythmic pattern is depending on an attack, that needs to be prominent. So a lot of people make the mistake of just boosting the lows, if you will. You know, good kick drum center frequency is about 70 to 80 hertz, somewhere in there. So we want a microphone that picks that up, what hits you in the chest. Yeah. But you also want to get that attack. The snap. And mm -hmm. usually that's between 2.5, 5 kilohertz, somewhere in there. We want to bring that out. Sometimes the things that get in the way of the attack or the low end are the, those frequencies in between. So we can use a mic that's full range. We have one in here now called a Beta 91, which is a condenser mic. Condenser mics are typically more sensitive, but they also have extended frequency response. We put that inside somewhere in the drum, uh, one to six inches, maybe away from where the beater is, put a little bit of padding in there and set the mic right on top of it. But that's a full range microphone. If you have some nice EQ on your mixer, maybe Mike can demonstrate how to EQ that microphone more appropriately later. What we'd want to do is, you know, make it so that frequencies aren't getting in the way of the sound of the drum. Okay. She's taken so much time to tune it, it's got a nice drum, now let's not mess it up by using a wrong microphone. Yeah. That's a condenser. There's also dynamic mics that can be used. Dynamic mics traditionally, like for live sound anyway, are gonna handle more uh, SPL. Um, louder levels than a condenser would. If you're going to use a condenser, make sure it, it will handle at least 130 dB of sound pressure level. Just don't put any condenser in there from, from a, a no-name manufacturer. Find out the specs of that condenser before you use it. Dynamics will take a lot more whack and uh, without distorting. If I'm going to use a dynamic microphone, like the, uh, this one here, this is a, a Beta 52, what I want to do with this one is get it inside the hole at least a little bit. And I recommend cutting a hole out in, in the drum. Um, if you just put a microphone in front of a head that doesn't have a hole cut out in it, you're probably not gonna get as good of a result. Would you agree with that? Yeah, depending on the style, some drummers would like probably that old John Bonham rock and roll thing where you have two resonant heads, in which case we can do that, but it's such a stylistic thing right. 
it's not something I use all the time. It's real song specific. This we're really talking um, about trying to go for traditional kind of studio miking, which you hear on you know most of your radio songs. <laughs> so th this will work great. Uh, Doug, maybe explain a little bit too how the sub kick. Uh, we're going to hook up the Beta 52 later so you can hear that by itself. But sure. how the 91 as a condenser works in conjunction with the sub kick. What are we doing there? Yeah, or with the Beta 52. Oh, um, that's true. If yeah. you have the elegant kind of mic setup that we have here, which, you know, I would envy that if you did because this is quite the setup for mic and a kick drum. Uh, this mic or the one inside could probably do it by themselves. If you're going to get a sub kick, this is pretty much not going to have any attack to it by itself. It's going to give you so much low end, though, that um, it'll just about knock you over. You'll feel this thing in your chest. Basically, this is a large dynamic microphone. A speaker and a dynamic microphone element are virtually the same thing. They're transducers that are reversed. A uh, loudspeaker takes the electrical signal and turns it back into acoustics, and a dynamic microphone takes the acoustics and turns them into electrical signal. They're opposites. Um, this won't give you attacks. So what we're using is a condenser, the Beta 91, inside just for that region we talked about before, which is the attack. So the microphone inside, you might hear it if you solar it up in your headphones, something that sounds like this, just like that. And then this would provide all the stuff you feel in your chest, the woomph, the low-end tone. And you combine those, and Michael shows how to do that to, to make those things uh, sound well blended together. And the other thing I'll say about kick drum, too, is a lot of times they don't think about bass guitar and kick drum being in the same uh, range. Your kick drum and bass guitar should almost be EQ'd and blended as one instrument. And that's really going to make the kick and the bass guitar sound full and complete and complement one another. Exactly. Doug mentioned uh, that the sub kick is actually based on a speaker technology. It's actually an old studio trick that they would sometimes use old uh, blown out uh, studio monitors as a microphone in support of the kick drum sound. So what, uh, what we've done is actually put a, a large, actually it's a large diaphragm, it's the equivalent of a large diaphragm microphone in a uh, drum shell, which allows it to, for one thing, look a lot better than an old speaker cabinet sitting right there, uh, with an XLR connector on there already made to be plugged into your, uh, your studio board or your live board. The microphone is there to pick up all the low, the sub-frequencies of the kick drum. Does a great job. Yeah, that's great. So let's go to Mike and uh, see what we're going to do with uh, sound and mixing here. Where do you want to start there, Mike? What we've sort of been listening to so far is a combined sound of those two uh, microphones. And uh, in fact, kick that a couple of times, Carl. Okay, here you go. One, two, three, four. And to uh, contrast that with just the sub kick, this is what this sounds like. So this is only the sub just kick the that they're going to yeah, Okay, the wow. And norm okay. And you wouldn't normally no, do No, you would this. not okay. normally do but this. But here it is. This yeah. is okay. One, two, three, four. So in combining those two, you get the snap and the attack from the microphone on the inside uh, along with the sub kick. Now just the microphone on the inside does have sort of a, my initial approach to a kick drum. Uh, and don't ever be surprised if you mic up a kick drum and it just sounds good. People sometimes think they're obligated 
somehow to, to EQ or you have to do something. If it sounds good, it sounds good. But yeah. let your ears uh, you know, be the, your final guide on that. But my initial approach, kind of if I had a generic approach to kick drum, I would tend to boost the low end with a shelving EQ, maybe around 80 cycles, around that speaking point that Doug was talking about. I would find that snap that's happening in the 2K, even out to 8K range in there, and I will tend to scoop out the middle. I will actually tend to, to, to carve out the, the middle so you have a big fat ball with this snap on the top of it. So if we take the sub kick out and we listen to just that crafted sound of the kick drum, I'll bring that EQ in and out and hopefully we can hear that difference between those two. Okay, great. So we're, we're going to start with the studio sound. Okay, great. So we're just hearing the SM91 or the right. Beta 91 inside. Uh, great. Okay. And drummers, did you recognize what he said earlier? A great sounding kick drum. So it's your job to get the drums sounding good. An engineer can't pull a, you know, the rabbit out of the hat and get it to sound great if you're not tuning and getting the sound. So here we go. Uh, just the 91. One, two, three, four. Okay. And now without the EQ. Okay, this is no EQ. Let's see what we got now. One, two, three. And that's flat, right? That's Mike? pretty much flat, right. Okay, great. And then a combination with all three again. Uh, or just the two. The two. We, we, yeah, we don't have the 52 <laughs> right. up yet. We'll show you that in a second. So this is the 91 with the sub kick. Remember, don't run a sub kick alone. It's meant to be secondary. And always give it two channels. I've seen engineers or a drummer trying to cheat. Well, I'll just kind of fudge here and try to combine them. You want to always have the control of having that internal mic as a separate thing and the sub kick as an auxiliary, okay? So here's the combined sound. One, two, three, four. There you have it. To expand on that point that you just okay. brought up, uh, the more tracks really is the better, the more control you have when you get into mix down. Uh, because if something sounds good now, you, don't, you can't really tell what it's gonna sound like in the context when you have all the other instruments added. So if you've got a good solid kick drum added right, uh, that's sounding great right now, when you bring in some of the lower speaking instruments, maybe some of the synth parts, uh, overdub some of the rhythm guitar things, you may have to uh, retweak some of that stuff. So it is great to have that kind of control where you have separate elements on separate tracks so that you can approach them separately in that mix down process. Exactly. I've recently done a recording where we used all three elements, literally. I had a 91 inside and the sub kick out there, and then we had a beta 52 like we have here just outside of the hole to catch some of that air coming out of the drum. It was an interesting combination of sounds, hmm. and the engineer did kind of pick and choose according to the song, the color of the kick drum that he wanted. So if you have multiple microphones on your kick drum, for instance, um, you can use those things, not always just all together, you can use them for different tonal uh, combinations. In other words, you might just use the drum mic inside, the condenser inside, yeah. for the fast attack, for faster high tempo song, high energy songs. Then you're doing a nice slow ballad or a worship song. And you might use just the low end content of the outside mic yeah. or the one in the hole. Or combine them. Yeah. But you can also use them separately. You might have to re EQ them. And that's the beauty of a digital console is you can just go from one to the other with, 
with those kind of things. But that's, that's an idea that keyboard players have. They have a keyboard, and they have different patches and different sounds, and you've got those same kind of options for yourself with, as well. Great. Let's try the 52 and see what we can do with the beta 52. All right, so we're going to check out just the beta 52 by itself. Uh, Mike, are we EQ'd or are we flat? Uh, EQ'd. Okay, a little bit outside the hole. We're just going to show you. Here's one mic. We're going to move it in, but start on the outside. So, and one, two, three. Yeah, just stay outside for now. Okay, we're going to move in now just a little bit. Uh, just to the, get into the edge of the hole. Yeah. Now, what you might notice, what I've noticed with the 52 and other mics, is that if you get where that front head is fluttering right in line with the diaphragm of the mic, sometimes you hear this little, like a brrrr sound, like it's, you can hear the head flutter, which is not good. I'll either be outside or in, but we'll see what this does. Sometimes it doesn't happen, but let's listen. One, two, three. Okay, now we're going to go inside, past that line of the hole. Just a couple inches there, Doug. Check this out. Yeah, a little more. There you go. Let's now. We're moving in. It should, it should tighten up a little bit. Are you going to hear a little more punch? Two, three, four. Okay, let's go in like five or six inches more. In for the yeah, just slide it on in there. Almost where the mic isn't seen outside. Now the mic is inside the drum. Uh, but we're still kind of on the outer part. Uh, yeah, not that far in. There you go, right there. Let's try that. So this is still in the front half of the drum, but inside, okay? Two, three, four. Okay, and just to hear it, now we're going to move that mic, slide the stand in, and, and turn the mic to where it faces the mallet more. There, okay. Doug. Come on in more. Yeah, so sometimes you have to position the stand away and come in now on an angle. Normally, the sound that you're getting is you'll get this reaction. The more of the mallet you hear, you, you hear more smack. And, uh, you know, you can adjust this even before you do a lot of EQ, right, Mike? I mean, we, right. we can change a lot by mic placement. So here we're pointing inside. He's pointing towards the mallet, and we're about halfway inside the shell. Two, three, four. Okay. Um, so that, that should give you a, a good idea of all the options you have. I know that's a lot of options, and um, I think it's worth knowing what you can do just with one setup with, with different mics. Um, and uh, as Mike and Doug have also said, you know, mic choice can really help you. If you feel like, man, I'm on a budget and I can't do this, Doug, I guess you could even mic a kick drum with an SM57, right? Yeah, I mean, would you an SM57 like that? This is a good place to talk about proximity effect. The closer you get a directional microphone to a source, the more bottom end you're going to get. Yeah. So even if you have a vocal mic like a 58, it's got some roll off on it from the manufacturer uh, because of proximity effect, because they're figuring a vocalist when they bring it up close to their mouth, 
it's going to get more bass response. That's what proximity effect is. So you could essentially use a 57 or a vocal mic as long as you get it in there close to the source. Uh, you got to make sure that you know that little mid peak is maybe taken care of. But uh, yeah, yeah, great. All right, well let's move on. See what else we can get into. All right. Thank you.